1: Hello and welcome to a new episode of Germany in Focus, a news podcast made possible by members of The Local. Today we have a very special episode for you. We're focusing on Germany's skilled worker immigration law reform and we're going to hear from immigration lawyer Sven Hasse. We'll also hear some analysis on the Bavarian and Hesse elections. I'm your host, Rachel Oxen, and I'm in Berlin today with two of our regular panellists, Imogen Goodman and Aaron Burnett. Hello to you both. Hello.
0: Hello.
2: Are you well? Yeah, very well. Thank you. Definitely. Good. How, How are you? I'm good, thank you. We never ask you, <laughs> so I thought for once, we're changed. <laughs> Thanks, guys.
1: I'm doing good. Excellent. Okay, shall we get on with it? Because we have got loads to get through today.
2: Let's get on with it.
1: Okay. So people in the southern state of Bavaria and the central state of Hesse voted in a state parliament election on Sunday. Politics expert Brian Melican has been following the elections for us, so let's hear from him now.
3: Okay, so in uh, Bavaria, which is uh, maybe the one that people were were looking at the most, uh, what happened was essentially uh, a continuation of uh, CSU dominance. They only lost zero point two percentage points, and it has them at thirty seven percent, which in other Bundesländer would be amazing. For the CSU, it's okay. There was uh, an advance on part of the Freie Wieler, who are their coalition partners, and uh, the IFD are also up strongly by about 4%. And that is also what's happened in Hessen, although it's not the CSU, it's the CDU in Hessen. They're on 34%, which is a very strong result for them. Uh, but the IFD have also uh, come up to 18%, which gives them their highest ever result in a uh, former West German state. The Greens in both states are roughly uh, where they were uh, before. Quite a stable result for them, maybe unexpectedly. I think they're probably quite happy about that. The SPD in both states performed very badly. In Hessen, Mm -hmm. they're at 15%, which is, you know, in Hessen for them, a very poor result. In Bavaria, they're at 8.6%. They've never been strong in Bavaria, but you know as a party of government, falling below 10% is it's really bad. And the FDP also had a very, very bad uh, set of results. They're out of Parliament in Bavaria. They uh, didn't make it past the, I think it's 5% minimum in Bavaria. They made it in in uh, Hessen, but by the skin of their teeth.
1: So Brian, in your opinion, who are the real winners and losers in all of this?
3: Yeah. So there's um, a couple of big winners. The CDU in Hessen specifically, 34% these days is a very strong result. And unfortunately, the, the IFD, the alternative for Germany, you know, coming in at just shy of 20% in a, an established West German Bundesland is for them something they've been aiming to do for years. And uh, now they've managed it. And it really does establish them there was always a, s- a suspicion that they were maybe just an East German protest party. Those suspicions uh, are now, unfortunately, uh, history. They're the big winners. Um, there's a couple of people who aren't winners, but will be saying, whoosh, uh, today. <laughs> One of them uh, is Markus Zuda in Bavaria, who, as I said, he lost 0.2 percentage points. But yeah, that still leaves him with a 37% share of the vote and looking at least like he's not going to be deposed and the greens will also as i said be saying phew they didn't get any new votes but they didn't lose any old votes they had seemed to have a strong core a uh, set of core voters and that they are remain loyal to them the big losers are the spd and especially nancy fazer who is in the spd in federal government as the interior minister uh, as the minister of the interior she was there candidate in Hesse. She comes from Hesse. She's well known there. She was the leader of the opposition for almost 20 years. And for her to perform so badly really is a slap in the face.
1: Why do you think the far right did well in both of these states, particularly in Hesse, as you mentioned?
3: Yes, Hesse has some previous on this. The IFD was founded there, uh, for example. And Hesse has in the past been, unfortunately, and it's quite hard to imagine when you're in Frankfurt, which seems so cosmopolitan, but it's always been a, a, a state that's been liable to drift to the right. It did so in the 90s uh, with the uh, the Republikaner, who were a very unpleasant uh, right-wing extremist outfit. Hesse also became infamous for a state election campaign under, I think it was Orlan Koch at the time, who essentially ran his campaign based on getting rid of foreigners, there was even a petition where you could sign sign against foreigners, um, and unfortunately, they did very well with that at the time. So, yeah, Hesse does have some specific characteristics that are, you know, maybe quite unpleasant. But then there's also just the more general. You know, why are people flocking to the far right? Yeah, if I could give you the answer to why that is and what you do about it, then I'd be in politics myself. But we're clearly living in in worrying times and people are looking either for somebody who's going to give them an easy answer or potentially are aware of how dangerous it is to vote for the far right, but are doing so out of protest.
1: Germany's new Skilled Worker Immigration Law, or the Fachkräfte-Einwanderungsgesetz, hopefully I said that right, has been rubber-stamped by authorities and will come into force in stages starting from next month. So first we are going to hear from Berlin-based immigration lawyer Sven Hasse, and then we'll have a chat about it in the studio. I asked Sven what's changing for workers who want to come to Germany from outside the EU.
4: The parliament has already voted and it's not on the process anymore, like the naturalization. So uh, it is clear when uh, several steps come into force and we have different modifications of the Skilled Workers Act. To come to your question, what is the big change or what is the announced big change? At the moment, immigration is only possible for skilled workers if you have a recognized degree or a recognized vocational training and that is intended to change in future. It is okay if you have a foreign degree, And the recognition can either be done in Germany or you could even get a residence permit without a formal recognition. And there are several instruments in the law. One is, for instance, from March next year on, the experience pillar, so it is called, that allows persons holding a foreign professional qualification with a training of not less than two years, that they uh, can get a residence permit in Germany. The other requirement is that the degree they have is already recognized in their country. And they have two years of professional experience in the last five years. So you see there is uh, there are a lot of conditions in the law that is uh, typically German, I'd say. So one, uh, one does it uh, very uh, clear, but on the other hand, very bureaucratic. And one has to see that, of course, maybe the big obstacle of the changes, uh, they might be a little bit bureaucratic. Let's come to another change, which is uh, which comes into force in June next year. So don't ask me why one is in March, the other one is in June. Um, <laughs> but the one in June is the opportunity card, um, which is a so-called point-based system. And you can get a residence permit for job search actually for a year. And to be eligible to start this process, you need as well a recognized foreign education, which is recognized in the country where you acquired the education uh, diplomas. You need German language skills on basic A1 level or English language skills on B2 level. And if you have that, you can start the process and you can uh, gain points, and points um, are about, awarded for professional qualification, experience, language skills, age, and uh, even uh, previous days in Germany uh, with, uh, with a residence permit. So this is new from uh, June 24 on. It is not uh, really clear yet uh, how that really works, who's responsible for uh, awarding these points. So this is still an open question. But uh, to summarize, we're going to see a change from recognition is required to if you have a foreign degree and uh, this foreign degree is recognized abroad, you can get the chance to get a residence permit for Germany.
1: Okay. Do you think that will be a big benefit to people who currently are having to go through the system? Do you think that will be a big change for them?
4: I think it makes uh, things easier because the recognition processes are quite difficult in some cases, especially the German vocational training system is not comparable with foreign vocational training systems. And if you work um, as a carpenter abroad, you have a recognition of what you are doing abroad in the country where you have a qualification, then it is uh, quite difficult at the moment to to, uh, get that recognized here. But in future, um, you can prove that you have working experience and then it is not required to work.
1: Do you think that the changes in the law will attract a lot more people from outside the EU to Germany?
4: I think that the change in the law is uh, communicated widely and a lot of people consider to start their application? Yes, I think so. But um, on the other hand, if they get in contact to a German consulate um, and to figure out what they need and when uh, is it possible to apply, and if the answer is, well, we uh, might have an appointment in nine months, then it's not so attractive anymore like other countries. So one has to say Germany is uh, on a competition with, with other countries who are in the need for skilled work workers as well. And um, Germany is not the most attractive uh, country. Uh, The simple reason is the language barrier. If you go to another, uh, if you go to the UK or to the US, it's much easier to get access to the society.
1: Another part of the law that our listeners and readers of the local Germany are very interested in are the plans to expand family reunification that we've heard a little bit about. Can you help to explain how that would work under the changes?
4: Yes, so there are two modifications regarding family reunion. So uh, the first one is that uh, blue card holders who already have lived with their family uh, in another EU country are allowed to apply for a residence permit inside of Germany. So it's not required to undergo the visa process for the family members. But this only applies if uh, the skilled worker has already lived in another EU country with the family. The second one was a big deal in the media, uh, I'd say, that was the family reunification of parents or parents of spouses, which was announced by the government. And you have to know that at the moment it's almost impossible to bring your parents to Germany, even if you are German, but family reunification of parents only works to minor children um, at the moment. And Mm -hmm. in future it is intended to allow family reunion um, for parents to skilled workers, but only if the skilled worker has received the residence permit after march next year so that is maybe something important for your listeners that if you are in the process and if you intend to make your degree at the university and you want to bring your parents then uh, better don't apply for residence permit as skilled worker before march because otherwise there is no chance and it's a little bit strange because uh, no one gonna profit uh, no skilled worker gonna profit if he or she is already in the country and no no family reunion to Germans will be possible in future either, yeah. so um, that's so interesting. What, what is the reason? The reason is that the German government wants to make it uh, attractive for new skilled workers to come to Germany. And everyone who's already there uh, is already there. There is no need to make it more attractive,
1: ah, okay. So this is the incentive
4: mm-hmm. yes,
1: would people? be able to, for example, who were already in Germany as a skilled worker before March, would they be able to apply for a permit after March, like an updated one?
4: They can only profit from the new regulation if they have no residence permit as Skilled workers, so not for the purpose of work. And uh, if you are still uh, on the student permit, it is possible. But if you are already a blue card holder or non-blue card skilled worker, then it's uh, not possible anymore.
1: Wow, not at all. So even if they got in touch with a lawyer to try and make that happen, they would have to find another way.
4: Correct. So the only provision the law has at the moment is an exceptional hardship, um, and that is a very low number of cases per year, and it is almost impossible to to get the residence permit. So the standard situation, maybe one of the parents died in the country and the other other, uh, parent is alone and wants to join the kids. Um, That is not a situation which is solvable. Then the only chance is um, become German, move to another EU country, benefit from the EU right of free movement, and then you can do the family reunification under the EU directive of free movement. But that is not German law, that is EU law.
1: Really, really good to know. What are the main issues your clients face when dealing with immigration laws in Germany? And do you foresee any particular issues in future under the new laws?
4: So the biggest issue is, uh, I come back to that topic, the dysfunctional authorities. Um, you can't get an appointment, your residence permit runs out, um, you apply for an extension by using the contact forms of the authorities. And then, well, they tell you, you can stay and you can uh, wait until we get back to you. But a lot of my clients want to travel in the meantime, yeah? And um, mm-hmm. this, this is the biggest issue and this is the biggest problem uh, skilled workers face, and there is not really a remedy. And the only thing one can do is one can try. Uh, one can try to get in contact by uh, using the appropriate ways, the contact forms, telling the authority one has the need to travel, so that they at least issue a temporary uh, permit or temporary paper. So I think the legal situation is not so bad, but the authorities are not very uh, well equipped to handle the applications. There are reasons for it, of course. There is uh, the reasons are in the humanitarian sector, Um, a big number of Ukrainian applicants or refugees from other countries. But yeah, one has to maximize the capacity of the authority um, there is no other way. Maybe a digitalization, um helps a little bit, but that's nothing you can uh, decide today and uh, change the situation tomorrow.
1: We haven't talked about this yet, Sven, but there are some changes coming in in November to the, especially to the EU blue card. The salary thresholds being lowered. Do you think that that will really be an incentive for more people to come to Germany?
4: Yeah, the blue card threshold is uh, lower from November eighteen on. That is uh, the first step of the modification because it's uh, easier um, just to modify the figures and uh, the minimum income, which is for the big blue card fifty eight thousand four hundred. At the moment, gonna be forty three thousand eight hundred, and in shortage positions, the threshold uh, which is at the moment at forty five thousand five hundred gonna be. uh, Less than 40,000. Plus, more uh, professions are involved in shortage positions loss. You can get uh, the blue card under the minimum income if you have your graduation not longer than three years. So that uh, will allow a lot of people uh, to to get the blue card who are under the residence permit as skilled worker at the moment. So that makes it more attractive because the blue card is faster uh, to get the permanent residency and in some other details a little bit more uh, liberal if you move to other countries it's easier Uh, so i think uh, the blue card becomes uh, more attractive indeed Um, Another other change gonna be um, if you have a recognized degree at the moment um, you need to have an appropriate job opportunity that has somehow to do with your degree and from november 18 on this is a little bit liberalized so if you have a recognized degree or vocational training you can take up every skilled worker position. So you can't work in a helper job, but um, you can work um, in a qualified position in a completely different field. That is new from November 18 on, and that's going to liberalize the situation for a lot of students who are struggling after uh, their graduation to find an appropriate job in their field.
1: And is it also the case that if someone, for example, an an IT worker is on a skilled worker residence permit currently, can they change, can they apply for the EU blue card after the changes?
4: Definitely, they can. Um, there is uh, a special provision uh, or are some other provisions for IT specialists. But uh, if someone did not qualify for the blue card because of the income before November 18, one can get the blue card, one can update the residence permit. The main issue people might face, uh, well, are the, the appointments um, at the immigration. <laughs> Depending on the, the local practice of the immigration, it's maybe not required to Updated uh, by the way. So, uh, for instance, the Berlin immigration, they have the practice that it is, uh, if you apply for permanent residency, it is fine for them if you worked um, under blue card conditions for the required period of time, and it is not required that you hold the blue card in your hands. So you could directly update, if if you qualify for the blue card um, and uh, the skilled worker residence permit is uh, still valid, you could directly update to the permanent residency after 21 months um, of working under blue card conditions. However, make sure that the local authority has the same approach and uh, if they don't have that, uh, then maybe it's a good idea to get the Skilled Worker Residence Permit updated.
1: Really helpful. Lastly, Sven, do you think this whole reform brings about a cultural shift in Germany? For example, a more welcoming culture?
4: I hope so. So um, Germany has never seen itself as country of immigration uh, like the US or Canada and immigration has been viewed um, from humanitarian perspective uh, for decades and society must learn to appreciate diversity in any of any kind and um, I think that foreign workers will certainly help to bring that change in mind and of course um, the shortage of skilled workers brings the need to change
1: Really interesting from Sven Hasse there. Let's talk about some of the points. So Germany has got a lot of competition up against other countries, especially the English-speaking ones. Aaron, how do you think Germany will compare to other places as a destination for skilled workers under the new rules?
0: Well, Rach, English-speaking countries like Canada, the U.S., U.K., Australia, Ireland, and New Zealand have a built-in advantage of having a language that many skilled workers already know, so it's easier for them to settle in there. But some of those countries, particularly the U.K., have been putting up more barriers in recent years even to skilled immigration by increasing the fees to apply for skilled worker visas, for example, or by requiring large salaries to pay for those fees to qualify or to bring their families over um, to prove that they can support their families. Germany's reforms are going to give people more bang for their buck there, as the economic hit of coming over is a lot less. Uh, So they might be more attractive to people in their early to mid-careers, who are skilled but aren't commanding the highest of salaries just yet. Mm -hmm. On the language front, the German point system, while taking inspiration from Canada, is looking to make the upfront German requirement a bit easier, with A1 German or B2 English qualifying you for a Chancenkarte, an opportunity card, which is really the government reasoning that you can learn German when you get here and have the chance to be immersed. Your skills are needed Now, elsewhere in Europe, countries like Sweden and Denmark are tightening up immigration and residence requirements. And Germany and Austria have been going in a bit of the opposite direction here with the trend. They're both opening themselves up to more skilled immigration. So let's take a look at Austria for a sec. Mm -hmm. Um, Germany here might be gaining the advantage, uh, I think, now with this legislation. Um, Over its smaller German-speaking cousin through the Chancenkarte, Austria also runs a point system, but you need to have a job offer right?
1: Yeah, so that's um, a big difference.
0: Yeah, and only then are the points applied and then you have to make the points. Under the Chancenkarte. you'll be able, if you get, have the points, you'll be able to come to Germany to look for a job which gives you the chance to network and interview from here, which is an advantage.
1: What about residency then?
0: Well, Germany's EU blue card in particular allows you to go for permanent residence after 33 months or sometimes as short as 21 months if you pass integration and language exams. Austria, which we've been talking about, you have to jump through a lot more hoops. Uh, This is also true of other countries as well. Uh, before you're eligible for permanent residence after five years austria for example you're not eligible for citizenship until you've lived there for 10 years and you aren't allowed dual citizenship in some of the nordic countries we have eight nine years before you're eligible for those kinds of things germany's upcoming dual citizenship law starts looking a lot more attractive by comparison because it provides people with a real option To integrate fully into the German community eventually. Up until now, Germany's main disadvantage against Austria or Uh, A few other countries was its very high salary threshold, for example, for the EU blue card, the amount of money that you needed to make to be able to qualify for one. It's been a lot higher than some of those countries in the past. But with this, as we've heard from Sven, with some of those thresholds being lowered, Germany is starting to look more attractive to more recent graduates. So people who have their whole careers ahead of them still and could spend those here.
1: Absolutely. So it does sound like a big step in the right direction. But as we all know, as we've been hearing about, as we've experienced ourselves, the bureaucracy, the red tape are still a massive problem. Oh, yes. How do you think this would need to be tackled?
2: Yeah, I mean, I would really describe this as something of a Teufelskreis or um, or a vicious circle, basically. Um, as we've mentioned before, and yeah, as Sven pointed out there, you need workers in the immigration offices to combat the worker shortage. But these applications aren't being processed because of the worker shortages in the immigration offices. So obviously, you know, I, I would say two things need to happen, um, more staff and more digitalization. Obviously, it does make sense to increase staffing in the offices if you're suddenly gonna have, you know, a hundred thousand more applications a year and they're already sort of up to their eyeballs in this paperwork. But it's worth asking as well, where could things be more efficient? You know, you hear of people spending half of their day on data entry tasks, which what does that mean? Well, it means having a paper form and then typing everything into the computer. If people weren't having to do that, if things were more digitalized, then, you know, we'd be in a position where these people could focus on processing applications, answering the phone, helping people along with their application.
1: Yeah, but as we all know, Germany and digital uh is is not known. They're not moving very quickly, are they?
2: Yeah. Well,
0: and there's all these excuses that are made too about how uh, we don't, you know, digitalization, um, on digitalization, and and the suspicion of of various digital processes because of data protection and this and that. It's starting to it's starting to get really boring. <laughs> yeah. If I'm honest, I mean. <laughs> This is a country that has a lot to learn from some of its neighbors on digitalizing public services. Um, Obviously, it's not a be all and end all, but it really is sometimes, you know, easier than you think. Just look at someone else, anyone else, Estonia, the Nordics, people (laughs) who have actually managed to do this better and just do
2: some of these things.
1: Yeah. How do you think they could actually get a move on and, and do this?
2: Well, I, I wonder about this kind of federalized system, yeah. about everything being so fragmented. And one of the issues, I think, and uh, that makes it so creaky is this kind of lack of information sharing. And, you know, you you start to think, OK, well, are there cities that are doing this well? And if there are, you know, why aren't we having kind of summits where they're then sharing this knowledge and they're saying, well, this really worked for us. Why isn't there a, a sense of kind of coordinating these efforts mm. to move the on. And, you know, you might even kind of say, well, in the meantime, while we're sorting out these digital processes, could we perhaps have a situation where a tiny part of Brandenburg, which barely has any sort of immigration, you know, per year, could they take on some of the processing work for Berlin? And I think you would probably say that to a local politician. They would start tearing their hairs out and say, (laughs) oh, no, they impossible, impossible. Is it impossible or do you just need to rethink this? I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah
0: just 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 do it <laughs> like stop discussing and just do I suppose
2: yeah
1: absolutely and
0: I mean we've also talked about the importance I myself and we attached to learning German on this podcast uh, in a recent episode especially but I still think that's an important sign of respect for the country you're making your home but to expect people who are just getting here to be able to deal with immigration authorities in advanced bureaucratic language when they're still learning how to ask for directions or order a drink is, well, it's a lot. (laughs) So Mm. expanded service offerings in English could only help matters, I think, as well
2: might also help with the staffing issue. You know, if you set that hurdle and you say you have to speak perfect German, well, could there be a department that is focused on kind of foreign languages and could people who don't speak perfect German maybe take on those jobs and Mm. cater to the people who also don't speak German? Could also be a way of uh, kind of moving things along a little bit with, uh, with regard to staffing at least.
1: Guys, we've got to get you in there. We, we've got to get you into running the immigration
2: services, perhaps. Oh, I,
0: I, I think, yeah, <laughs> I don't well, know uh, if they want us. You might I, expect too much.
2: My uh, my application has been sitting on Olaf Schultz's desk for a couple of years now. I'm sure he's just um, not got around to reading it.
0: I don't know how, how prepared they'd be for us cracking the whip, if I'm honest.
2: <laughs>
1: Yeah, it might be a t- bit too much too soon, but <laughs> they could at least take on a little bit of this. A little I'm bit. Sh- and hopefully they've at least thought about it.
2: Hopefully they're tuning in
1: right now. <laughs> 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 Guys, I would love to know what are your thoughts in general on the upcoming changes to the immigration law?
0: Well, let's see how it plays out in practice with the bureaucracy Mm -hmm. that we have just been talking about, of course. Uh, But we have a law here that is a bit more cognizant of how people actually get jobs in the real world, which means you might need to be here to network to make connections first, to really pound the pavement and interview in person. There's a decent number of companies that, in my experience, get very suspicious of applications that are filed from abroad with people who aren't here yet, for example, rather than just expect people to secure jobs online uh, before coming here. A lot of companies will still prefer to interview people in person and kind of get a feel for them. So
1: Perhaps that's why the opportunity card... Yeah. which comes out a bit later, that might be a good option.
0: Exactly. Because you will
1: be able to be
2: here.
0: Exactly, yeah.
2: Yeah, my impression is also that I... I wonder if, you know, the devil's kind of in the detail here that um, actually some of these seemingly smaller changes, you know, things like the blue card threshold, salary Mm -hmm. thresholds being Mm -hmm. lower, also, you know, allowing people to work in a sector that isn't directly related to their degree. You know, these little things that might sort of get lost and, and sometimes even in our, you know, reporting of these things actually might be the things that really make a huge difference because they really speak to these kind of small hurdles that can just trip people up. You know, yeah, I've got a degree in natural sciences. I've learned programming along the way. I can get a tech job. But oh, wait, I can't because the government expects me to be in this very narrow field. Mm -hmm. Um, So those kind of things, I think, are great. And as Aaron says, really acknowledge the realities that people are kind of working in.
0: also, I think, uh, as Imogen was just saying, the salary threshold uh, that you brought up right now, we do seem to perhaps have a law on the table now, which, unlike some other countries, um, seems perhaps better suited to getting younger skilled workers here who aren't commanding those huge salaries yet but have a lot of uh, potential. And they may well spend a long time here and, and go later in advance in their careers if they're here and if that's the case so much better for the country.
2: Yeah, I, I do think though that the success or failure of this, this law really will be in the implementation and it will be in the communication. And what, are the point, what is the point of making all these great changes if they are still not very transparent Transparent. If people Mm -hmm. are confused, uh, people, uh, that is generally the response when these new laws happen in Germany. People feel a bit overwhelmed, a bit confused. So they need to get the info out there about the routes, like the points based system. And they need to make it transparent. They need to have step by step information in English. So people who don't have an immigration lawyer, don't have time to dig through loads of German documents, can actually, they know what the route is and, and, you know, what the steps, uh, what steps they need to take. So I think that's going to be a really huge part. And we won't know how that is working until this comes into force. That's Absolutely, a,
0: That's a big point. I mean, the law itself seems more reasonable on language. It gives people the opportunity to learn from a position of having work here so they can support themselves and integrate in the community and practice german while they are actually here the flip side of that is that you hope that people coming here will actually do that but if the bureaucracy remains you know in a whole bunch of confusing german you know, the, you wonder sometimes if, if, if that um, might defeat the purpose. So I guess we'll we'll see on implementation.
1: One thing that I would add that I talked about with Sven is that the Make It in Germany site is a really helpful resource and it is in quite a lot of languages, different languages. So that is really helpful. I mean, it is still, of course, confusing. And there are also a lot of details that haven't been clarified yet. I think even in the government, for example, who is working with qualifications being kind of ticked like yes they are accepted by the country in question who's kind of processing that at this end
2: absolutely hopefully they won't spend months arguing over that kind of thing and hopefully we just get clear quick decisions that are transparent that people understand
0: and there's one last thing uh, that we can say as well I mean the the law uh, the success of the law also depends on the success of another law, <laughs> I would argue. And that is, let's not forget our favorite new piece of draft legislation that we love to report on at the mm. local Germany. Uh, and that is the dual citizenship law. Now, as we've been saying before, we do hope that people actually learn German when they come here. But the under that law, the uh, language requirement for both permanent residency and then citizenship remains B1. So it's a good incentive to learn. You can have a great uh, skilled immigration law. But if you don't provide people with the opportunity to realistically integrate into the German community while maintaining their ties with their homelands in a world that is smaller and more globalized, you're just not going to be as attractive, period. So we hope to see uh, some movement before the end of the year on that dual citizenship law. We have heard the beginning of November, so stay tuned for that.
1: Yeah, that it will be debated in the Bundestag. Yes, exactly.
0: That the Bundestag will finally get to it and hopefully pass it to the Bundesrat before the end of the year.
1: Definitely. They go hand in hand, this uh, reform package. It was interesting to hear about family reunification only applying to people who the changes only applying to people who apply after March 2024. What do you think about that?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, as Fen said, uh, you know, the message here is really clear. Um, if you're not here yet, we're going to pull out all the stops. If you're already here, we're not really committed to making life easier for you. So, in a way, I can really understand that. So, there might be concerns about a lot of elderly people suddenly coming, you know, parents who are going to maybe rely on the state, going to use the healthcare system more. So, I understand that. And I would also predict that had they, Done that in a sort of um, in a sort of back backwards working way, then the right wing press would have had an absolute field day. That said, I can see why people are really disappointed uh, with that. That's something we've heard from readers. There's a lot of of hurt, actually, uh, disappointment, and yeah, you know, it's great for future workers. But could they perhaps just work on making German law a bit more relaxed, maybe more in line with EU law more generally if they don't want to go that far and then just sort of solve this issue for more people generally?
0: Well, the idea that you don't have to worry about keeping people who are already here is also a bit of an interesting idea. Uh, We all know family circumstances can change and that um, things that aren't, you know, true today could be true tomorrow. And someone who can't bring their family here as and when it becomes important may well decide to go elsewhere, including within the EU, which, um, as Imogen was saying, uh, their um, EU law seems to be a bit more relaxed on this particular question. So you might go to another EU country and you might take your skills there. And there's no guarantee that Germany is going to get that person back if that happens either. Right.
1: Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Imogen, you put a survey out to readers, which you'll be writing up soon on the local Germany. What's the general feeling
2: uh, yeah, well, I mean, I'd say generally our readers did have a really positive view of the changes. So almost two thirds, that's 64% of our respondents said they approved of the new law. while around sort of 29% said they didn't. But I would say the responses could be summarized as A step in the right direction, not quite there yet. Uh, So interestingly, almost half of our respondents actually said that family reunification changes were the most significant thing about the law for them, Uh, while others mentioned the lower blue card salary threshold, the opportunity card, so this points-based system, and the new benefits and incentives for international students. There was quite a lot of annoyance, as I mentioned, at the fact that a lot of big benefits, and especially family reunification, will only apply to future generations of migrants rather than the people who are already here working and already paying their taxes. I think people also pointed out, uh, which is something we've been talking about, that there is much more Germany can do to improve things for foreigners, either making the system easier to understand, providing a more welcoming environment, offering more information in English, and just trying to speed up the processing of applications or actually giving people appointments uh, within a reasonable period of time. Other people also mentioned that they felt the new immigration laws wouldn't necessarily change the fact that a lot of German employers might be prejudiced against migrants or people with foreign names. And while these outdated views persist, uh, Germany still will not be an easy place to settle in. As I said, people do feel this is a step In the right direction but yeah there's a lot more that could be done.
1: Another thing I wanted to chat about, Germany is dealing with an influx of migrants at the moment and the coalition government is struggling to figure out how to deal with the situation, a lot of asylum seekers or people just looking for a better life. How do you think this all fits together, the, the skilled worker immigration reform with the number of asylum seekers trying to get to Germany?
0: Well, let's not forget that plenty of the refugees and asylum seekers who have come to Germany in the past, whether from Syria and particularly from Ukraine recently, have indeed uh, had or do have many of the skills that Germany currently needs, uh, but have a problem getting their credentials recognized. Now, if you have specific questions about this kind of thing uh, as it relates uh, to you, then do seek out the advice of an immigration lawyer. But this law is intended to make some of those questions around credentials a little bit easier. And I expect that that will open up more opportunities for legal immigration to Germany, which is sort of the whole point. Refugees and asylum seekers are a different matter as running for your life means you're not always going to have the time to wait for the right visa, of course, even if you do qualify. Uh, But economic migrants who choose to come to Europe illegally may end up finding a more skeptical German public and politicians who might well ask, look, we've opened up more legal routes for you to come. Is there a reason you can't use those?
2: Yeah, I mean, I I think this is this is a very interesting issue, you know, in Germany right now and I it, for me I'm just amazed by how much cognitive dissonance there is here. You know, on the one hand they're saying, "Oh god, what are we going to do with all these people who are of working age who happen to be in the country and how are we going to process them?" And on the other hand they're saying, "Oh god, I, you know, how can we get people of working age into the country and put them to work?" We do have sort of a, a particularly interesting scenario with the, the two tracks, right? We have the, the people largely from the global south. Uh, we have refugees, people from Syria, also economic migrants, as as Aaron said. And then we have the Ukrainians. Mm -hmm. Um, And the Ukrainians don't have endless waits. They can work straight away. And actually the stats are showing that a lot of Ukrainians who have been here just over a year, they are either working or they're studying German. And I think that maybe might be a lesson of, you know, is it really about telling people not to come, or is it about treating them the right way when they're here and finding the best way to integrate them into work and into German society? So I think that's going to be a conversation that we we carry on having and that is going to be a big sort of part of this puzzle to solve for the government.
1: Really good points from you both there. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed that discussion. That's all for this week. Thank you so much for listening and please leave a review or rating wherever you listen to your podcasts. This week's panelists were Imogen Goodman and Aaron Burnett. Our guests were Brian Melikan and Sven Hasse, and our sound engineer is Rhys Edwards. We are taking two weeks off the podcast and we'll return in the first week of November. So remember to hit follow on your wherever you listen to your podcast so you get our updated episodes. I'm Rachel Loxon, and until then, take care.